0: WCNC Charlotte this is Flashpoint
1: thanks for joining us here on Flashpoint I'm Ben Thompson well more major setbacks for Charlotte's transportation agency the interim CEO of cats getting grilled by leaders over why it took so long to report three light rail derailments in the past year we also learned this week the agency skipped safety inspections for light rail bridges and parking garages over the past few years now that is on top of bus driver shortages that forced routes to be cut last summer safety concerns and a complete shakeup of senior leadership now the metropolitan transit commission asking charlotte city council to hire an independent investigator to look into cats joining us now mecklenburg county commissioner lee altman who also serves on the metropolitan transit committee uh who oversees cats um commissioner thanks for coming on flashpoint we appreciate it my pleasure all right. So I feel like the derailments is really sort of the, the just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, we also learned about skipped safety inspections when it comes to the garages and bridges. Last summer, as you know, bus routes were severely reduced because of bus driver shortages, complete turnover in senior leadership at CATS. Uh, it's probably a question you, you've asked yourself. I know you've asked yourself, but but what is going on at CATS? <laughs>
2: Well, I would take exception just to one thing. I don't think the bus routes needing to be reduced are a function of all these other problems. Um, I do think that it had to do with labor shortages, um, but everything else you described seems to have a common thread of uh, difficulty um, uh, with doing the basics, um, keeping up with maintenance, doing inspections, just the very basics for safety.
1: Do you feel like it's safe to ride the light rail right now?
2: Well, you know, we have a letter from NCDOT dated March 2nd and I'm just going to read a few excerpts of it because it's not my opinion um, and it's not my language. Um, NCDOT said on March 2nd that Um, CATS is currently operating trains which have surpassed the manufacturer's recommended axle overhaul thresholds. And it has not conducted any form of risk assessment or hazard analysis to quantify the risks and uh, similar such language. So I'm not an expert in these matters, um, but I can tell you that I will not feel comfortable until I have um, someone from NCDOT square, what they said earlier this month, with what um, Kat said yesterday, that they operate a safe uh, transit system. I just don't understand how you square those two things. And I need NCDOT to do that, to, to give me the confidence that I believe the public needs.
1: So for the public looking to you as a, a commissioner uh, and as a member of the MTC, I mean, what would you tell people if they're if to they say, hey, you know, commissioner, should I li- ride the light rail? What do you tell them?
2: You know, I I can't say more than what I've already said. Um, You know, I I have a career as someone who worked in the arena of consumer protection, and I have a state government uh, official whose full-time job is safety using the language that they just used this month. I can't square the two, and I think it's an urgent matter for CATS to ask that um, NCDOT uh, representative to come present to the um uh Metropolitan Transit Commission or better to provide that written assurance to explain the two that's would probably be the most efficient resolution that would help me advise the public
1: as of this this week you all are, are calling for an independent investigation uh, there clearly is a lot to look at. What's your biggest question at this point about the the sort of organizational structure of cats
2: Well, So the organizational structure of CATS is, you know, there's a chain of command. Um, You have the CEO of CATS that I presume reports to an assistant county manager who reports to um, the city man, I'm I'm sorry, assistant city manager who reports to the city manager Um, and the city manager reports to the full city council. Um, The CEO of CATS also reports to the MTC. So there's no ambiguity around the reporting structure in terms of um, the, you know, daily maintenance and functionality and um, having a, a functional system. Um, I think that the issue got confused when um some people brought up the larger issue of um, our governing structure which definitely is a good question to ask Um, and I do think there are important issues there I have issues with it but I don't think it goes to why maintenance wasn't done and I think bringing that up right now sort of muddies the water when we need to be very clear about what led to a safety a breach of safety.
1: It's not a governance issue, at least in your mind. What this particular,
2: yeah. So
1: do you think it's a a culture issue? Is that part of it, the problem?
2: I raised the issue um, initially when I sent um, my letter to the city council and to the MTC and to CATS leadership. Um, I raised the question that I believe there, there must be a problem of culture there because I am sure, um, you know, I know county employees and they are the very best. Um, and they care, and I have no doubt that the employees of CATS um, are exactly the same. Um, you don't go into public service um, unless you really care. And so I, I'm, I'm confident that they do. So the fact that nobody came forward tells me that something else is at work, and I am deducing that must be a culture where it is um, there is not space to do that in a safe way. And um, that is, you know, a theory I've raised that I think needs to be explored.
1: Do you feel like everybody that that you're dealing with and interacting with is telling the truth?
2: I have no reason to think otherwise.
1: Um, uh, Another big part of this in my mind that I don't know that's gotten a lot of attention, although Braxton Winston tweeted about it, I saw, um, is the fact that all this aside, and we've just listed a lot of challenges and a lot of problems, the the, city is also pursuing a $13 billion transit plan Um, for taxpayers out there or the skeptics in Raleigh that we know exist. uh, Can we possibly move forward with that? while all this is happening? I mean, should that transit plan be put on hold for right now?
2: Let me explain something. I I moved from Atlanta, Georgia, where it is miserable and impossible to get from point A to point B 12 plus hours a day and when I came to Charlotte it was a lovely relief we do not want to turn into Atlanta and we are growing so quickly that if we don't build mass transit into our planning we will have a terrible quality of life We will not have the ability for people to easily access job centers. We will make the accessibility of affordable housing even more difficult than it already is. We will not make progress on our clean air goals. Um, And I can go on and on. So I have been from day one extremely committed to us achieving a robust and world-class mass transit system. And we can't abandon that. But the fact that we have a transit system that has a, is in crisis and has failed us over and over again is something that we cannot soft pedal or overlook.
1: The the critics of of the transit plan uh, shouldn't be looking at you for for a reason uh, or for any comfort. You're saying we should be able to do both. I'm saying we ha-
2: I Thank you for asking. I'm yep. saying we have to do both. If we are actually interested in serving our community, we have to improve the problems with cats, and I think it's clear I am unafraid uh, to uh, point out and pursue everything that needs to be addressed so that we deliver the services we owe our residents. But we also have to ensure that we have mass transit for the future and These two things, you know, the the fact that this crisis is not helpful for our mass transit future, it's not what I wanted, but that doesn't mean I can turn a blind eye or soft pedal, something that is very serious. So we have to do both.
1: have to do both, all right. Mecklenburg County Commissioner Lee Altman. Commissioner, thanks for coming on Flashpoint. We appreciate it.
2: Thank you, sir. Have a great day.
1: Giving school districts more say of when they start classes. Still to come here on Flashpoint, the state lawmaker from Gaston County pushing for an earlier start. (music) Welcome back to Flashpoint. It's a debate that hits nearly every school board in our area. Districts trying to move up the start of classes, but a state law from 2004 standing in their way. Now lawmakers in Raleigh looking to give school boards a little more flexibility when it comes to when the school year starts and ends. Joining us now is Republican state lawmaker Donny Loftus from Gaston County. He is among the main sponsors pushing for school uh, calendar flexibility. Uh, Representative, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. All
1: right, explain to me why this at least seemed to become such a big issue in the last year or so?
0: I I think over the past two years of uh, the COVID experience and doing virtual learning, uh, it really challenged. uh, learners at home, parents of those learners, and school staff and faculty who, who were responsible for the learning curve. And I think it's been very important that parents want more options uh, for their education for their children. And at the same time, we have lots of young people who are duly enrolled with community colleges uh, working on two year degrees. So when they get out of high school, they already have a jump on their college career. So I think working with those scheduling issues with uh, community colleges oh. and public school was important for us to look at changing or giving schools uh, the option of changing their calendars.
1: Uh, Gas County Schools, they've been starting classes earlier than technically what's allowed by state law. W- what's stopping them from getting punished?
0: Well, uh, fortunately, that had been a, a, a problem with DPI in Raleigh. I think they understand for over over the last many years, there's been always that we need to protect our summers for our kids. We need vacations down at the beach. That is a part of the economic driver. Uh, and, And guess what? People go on vacation anytime now. It used to be July 4th was the week everything shut down. But now people's job schedules, work schedules, allow them to go on vacation at any time. So I think it was important for uh, the folks here in Raleigh at Department of Public Instruction to be working locally with uh, school boards and school administrators to find out what fits their community needs.
1: When you talk to school districts, they say that, that moving it up to earlier August as a start date allows them to finish by the time Uh, The holidays come around and that it's better for students. You just laid out the case that some of the people who don't agree with you make is that it's not great for the tourism industry. Uh, When it comes down to it, I think the case you're probably making is is that you have to put what's most important and what's best for students
0: really as the priority here, right? That's correct. If education is a priority for the future of this state and we need those bright and best young people to remain here in this state, Uh, I'm willing to give them any opportunity that would set them up for success. And that would mean that dual enrollment that would end before Christmas. uh, That would make it very easy for them to continue the block scheduling with community colleges and let's face it. When children, when children are, are off for the holiday break. That 15 to 17 days really impacts their ability to retain what they've been taught over the first part of the semester. So I think it's important that we're able to test on current knowledge they were remembering better uh, to, to expose them to uh, less learning loss over that holiday season.
1: House Speaker Tim Moore I think has ex- uh, expressed uh, openness and, and uh, to, to your proposal. Uh, however, I think Phil Berger over the Senate has expressed some skepticism about the law. Are, are you pretty confident you can win over the Phil Burgers of the world?
0: Well, I, I know Senator Berger has a long history of supporting education. Uh, I think this is one issue that, uh, you know, he didn't support Medicaid for many years up until the last few years. And, and now, guess what, we passed Medicaid expansion. So not exactly the same thing, but I, I, I just think that Senator Burger uh, really needs to be able to work with those local school districts and what is important for them to impact the students and their communities. I'm willing to sit down and talk with him to find out what his concerns are. If there's things I can do to help persuade him, uh, I can also tell you that I'm working with my Senate colleagues on uh, in the other house to help them uh, you know, understand that this is a, this is a big step and we need to move forward to support our students and parents. In the education system
1: um should other districts follow gaston's lead and, and violate state law in the meantime what would you recommend as a state lawmakers
0: well i wouldn't necessarily uh look at it as violating state law uh, it, it is a law on the books or a statute on the books however uh working with my local school district i know their their primary concern is educating students and getting them the best opportunity to retain that knowledge. And at the same time, being able to finish before the holiday break, that really provides that uh, dual enrollment student, uh, uh, the best opportunity to uh, move forward with their education. So I, I applaud those uh, those local school boards who took the uh, advantage, so to speak, of, of setting that curriculum. Yes, it will impact parents, and. Yes, it will impact probably vacations, but again, vacations you can go pretty much anytime you want to. But I applaud those school districts who had the courage to step up to do that.
1: All right, Representative Donnie Loftus of Gaston County. Representative, thanks for coming on Flashpoint. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have a great afternoon. You as well. Take care. More Flashpoint after this. Welcome back to Flashpoint, the pandemic. A housing crisis and an ongoing economic uncertainty, leaving veterans experiencing homelessness or on the verge of it. And we've learned hundreds of them can't rely on a federal housing program for help. As they ask, where's the money? Our Nate Morbido found a local nonprofit is getting creative to meet their needs.
3: Survival. Did one combat tour in Iraq. A skill Charlie Blissett learned in the Army National Guard. We utilize our resources like the military taught us. Is the only reason he and his wife Rhonda, also a veteran, are alive. April 15th of this year will be two straight years. They live in Concord. Follow that conduit box, you'll find it. Just beyond a set of railroad tracks, next to a creek in the woods. Welcome to our home. (coughs) They sleep inside a makeshift home dug into the ground. Took my chainsaw, buddy mine, engineered this whole thing to actually do kind of a stand up house. The roof over my head is a tarp. Built by Charlie and his brother. And he is also a fellow veteran. Powered by a generator. A shelter for survival temporarily. I know that better days are coming if I just keep believing in it. I'm living proof it does work. Alan Winnegar also kept believing. The Air Force veteran and his son with autism spent much of the pandemic moving from one hotel to the next. It's hard. After the city of Charlotte condemned their rental home in late 2019. It needs to get better so the veterans don't die alone. They're in Arizona now. Thanks to the VA Supportive Services for Veteran Families program, which paid for transitional housing just long enough for Allen to get back to work.
0: Thank God I was, you know, I was able to get out of it.
3: But that program with its strict rules can't help everyone. It's very upsetting. Thomas Jacobs once served his country. Now he serves his community with Veterans Bridge Home. Sometimes you're just not at risk enough. He says around 75% of veterans on the verge of experiencing homelessness did not qualify for the VA program last year. Out of necessity, the nonprofit started collaborating with community partners to provide wraparound services using more flexible grants.
0: What we try to do is scramble to find other programs that they may be eligible or have lower eligibility standards.
3: After piloting the idea the past two years and helping 75 families in the process, the nonprofit recently secured $1 million in American Rescue Plan money from Mecklenburg County to fill in the gaps aimed at helping up to 400 veterans and their families over
0: the next two years. The goal is to reduce the number of homeless individuals as well as make sure that we don't increase the number um, for those who are at risk of losing housing.
3: The plan builds on Mecklenburg County's participation in Built for Zero, a national program aimed at eliminating homelessness. The programs met that goal for veterans in a dozen participating communities, but not here yet. County records show the number of active homeless veterans here increased by almost a third over the last year. Still better than 2018, but headed in the wrong direction. A far cry from the 2016 State of the County Address.
1: I'm here to declare today that we have put an end to veteran homelessness in Mecklenburg County.
3: A reminder, nothing is permanent. I feel more than blessed to have a roof over my head, someplace to call home. Charlie Blissett and his wife celebrated moving from shelters to an apartment in 2018. But that solution proved only short term. Some people just Have harder times getting through a past that takes years to get over. Charlie has a complicated history, which includes physical and mental disabilities, criminal convictions, and a prior eviction. Challenges that make it harder to find permanent housing, even when he says he has enough money to afford his own place. Just imagine me, you, Paul, Kadashi finally get the help to get the hell out of here. But he isn't giving up hope. Instead, he's making the best of his current situation. That's what I've been praying over for a long time. Pray. One day he'll be able to build an affordable housing community of his own for him and his friends. Complete with plumbing, running water, and an actual roof. A survivor. Nate Morabito, WCNC Charlotte.
1: More flashpoint after this. Welcome back to Flashpoint, folks. Come interact with me on social media. If there's something you want us to talk about here on Flashpoint, we talk about it all, so just let us know. And as always, remember to listen and subscribe to our podcast. You can find it wherever you get yours. We'll see you back here next weekend.